question. And don't answer too quickly. Well, in fact, just don't even verbally answer at all. Just think about your answer. Wisdom or anointing? Which would you choose if you could only choose one? The correct answer is wisdom. You see, there was an anointing to a certain degree there in Corinth, but there was a lack of wisdom. By wisdom, the house is built. That's Scripture. And when Solomon was crying out to God, he asked for wisdom. He didn't ask for power to slay the enemies. He focused on wisdom. You see, if you pursue wisdom, you'll start understanding more about anointing. In fact, in the book of Proverbs, there's more about wisdom than power. So what we've had over the years, teaching that has reinforced power over wisdom. And at times I'm sure that many of my sermons came across in that vein. More about power than wisdom. But, it's critical that we operate in that wisdom. And that's one of the, I guess you might say, greatest areas of lack in the body of Christ. It's wisdom. The wisdom of God. Would you go ahead and turn over to 1 John chapter 5. When it comes to doing something for God, we have these ideas about process and procedure and the way it's supposed to go. And a lot of that is a result of how we've been taught in church. Well, there's only one way to do things correctly, and that's God's way. When it comes to prayer, how many times have we prayed? Just look over our lives, you know, ever since we committed our lives to Jesus Christ. All the times that we prayed, and we didn't get answers. And I know that I've heard things in the past, and you may have heard this too, how that, well, you know, when you pray and nothing happens, well, you know, that's God's way of saying no, and you got your answer. That's an easy way to dismiss what really might be going on. For example, you pray for somebody's healing, and they don't get healed. Well, was that God's answer? No. No, I will not heal that person. So then what's the problem? And when it comes to uh, getting prayers answered, if we're honest with ourselves, we probably have more unanswered prayer than answered prayer. Let's talk about that tonight. Because that's got to change. So if we look here, first off, in 1 John chapter 5, take a look at verse 14. 
And this is the confidence, the assurance, the absolutely I know that I know, yes, amen, and I know that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. Sounds like answered prayer to me. He said, look at this. You know, this is the confidence. Meaning, yeah, I know. I mean, there is no variable, no variance. There is no any other way. This is it. I know this. Just, just like, if you were to come up to me tonight and say... Well, now you do know that Kathy is not really your wife. I have a confidence. <laughs> I know she's my wife. And you'd be just plain weird goofy to come and tell me, oh, no, 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 not really now. She's not your wife. No, she is my wife. And I mean in just a, a few months, she'll have been my wife for 40 years. 40, <laughs> 40 years. We've been married longer than some folks been alive. This is the confidence that we have in Him. If we ask anything, do you see what a wide open door that is? Anything. According to His will. He heareth us. And... We know, if we, if we know that He hears us, well, we just found out that He hears us. Whatsoever we ask, according to His will, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. And this is the confidence, this is the we know that we have in Him. There, there are basically three we knows in this, in these two verses. So, I see this. And that tells me there should be answered prayer. Right? Now, I'm not, this is not a trick question. That's what it says. Let's find out some more about this. Turn over to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. We're not going to get into all of the aspects of the uh, the fruitless fig tree and Jesus cursing it, so on and so forth. We want to get straight to the subject. Mark chapter 11, beginning in verse 23. Well, back up to verse 22. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and shall be cast into the sea, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever when you, des uh, you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive, if you have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Now a lot of people get all hung up on verse 23. You know, all that confession stuff. 
You know, the, all those preachers out there preaching, naming it and claim it, blab it and grab it and so forth. All right, you know what? For the moment, let's just kind of bypass verse 23. Okay? Let's avoid the confession controversy. Let's just go to the prayer part. Verse 24, Therefore I say unto you what things wherever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Now you notice the whole aspect of the forgiveness. That's all a part of the praying, not the confessing. See that? You say, you mean, I can confess without forgiving? Nope. You have to leave it in context. The confession is supposed to be birthed out of the praying. Now, what we've covered here in 1 John chapter 5 and Mark 11 are the three keys to getting answered prayer. This is it. Number one, God's will. Number two, believe. And number three, forgive. This is it. Because when he says, when Jesus says here in Mark 11, what things wherever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them. Well, see, we just read over there in 1 John that the praying has to be according to the will of God. Therefore, we have this confidence in Him that whatsoever we ask, according to His will, we can believe that we receive them and we shall have them because He will hear us and answer. You see that combination there, you know, blending those passages together. So these three keys, these three points are critical when it comes to uh, getting prayers answered. God's will, believe, and forgive. That's it. Your offerings don't have anything to do with it. You can't buy an answered prayer. Amen. Now, here not too long ago, I was listening to a sermon by Pastor Bronk Flint. And he said something that you know really hit me. One of those things that you know, but then somebody says it in a way that just emphasizes it even more. And I'm going to read this to you. He said, Every prayer we pray which lines up with Scripture should always be answered. If we don't see the answer, the problem is never with God. It is always with us regarding our level of faith. We tend to put up with unanswered prayer, because that's the pattern we've seen in the church, including our own lives. Now let's just be honest. The majority of the, of the Christians that we know, who have talked about praying and prayer, there aren't any answers. Not the way they're supposed to be. When's the last time you were around somebody who said, every time I pray, I get an answer. Well, if you were around somebody like that, one of your first thoughts would be, liar. <laughs> but that's the way it's supposed to be. Now, 
if we're not getting answers, again, you know, it is not God's fault. He can't change. And He can't lie. Well, if we're not getting answers, then there are essentially three things going on. We aren't asking according to God's will, or we don't know God's will. That's pretty simple. Because He said if you ask according to His will. You know, I can remember... Oh, this was years ago, before I ever preached my first sermon. It was the church Kathy and I first attended. There were these uh, three ladies, they were in their 20s, and uh, they had an apartment together. Well, there was this uh, young man who started attending our church. He was tall, dark, and handsome. I mean, he was tall, dark, and handsome. He was good looking. Uh, he, He... He maybe could have been a model. I mean, this guy was good looking. Well, anyway, one of those three young ladies, well, I mean, everybody, all the ladies in the church saw him, but one of the the three roommates began to claim him for her husband. Began, you know, praying, you know, he's my man. Oh, we'll get married and all this other. Well, Eventually, he asked out one of the other roommates. Now, you can imagine how that went over. Especially when the day came that he proposed to her. <laughs> and, you know, the other roommate, she's like, he's mine. I have, you know, the praying and the confessing. I've claimed him, blah, 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 blah. Okay, you know what? That's not according to God's will. You know, you can't do that. And I know that's not what was taught in that church. But she had taken a truth and stretched it way out beyond truth. And turned it into a belief and a personal doctrine. If you don't know God's will, how can you pray God's will? And I know a lot of times people say things like, I just don't know God's will. I just don't know what God wants. The answer to a lot of that is in the Word. You know, if you get into the Word, you're going to find what God's will is. If you take a look at the ministry of Jesus, you're going to find out the will of God. Because there are a lot of situations that we can see in Scripture, really both in the Old and the New New Testament, where a situation took place and God moved in a particular way. And that situation is not too far away from maybe some of our situations. Let me just give you a quick example. You know, the religious leaders, they go to Peter, and they say, doesn't your master pay the temple tax? And Peter says, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, he does. So anyway, Peter then is talking with Jesus, And that subject came up, what those guys had been talking about. And Jesus said, well, Peter, I'll tell you what. Why don't you go down here? Now, I'm paraphrasing, but why don't you go down here to the river and, you know, cast your line in. Now, Peter was a fisherman, okay? So he understood the concept of fishing. He says, cast your line in. The first fish you catch, you know, open his mouth, take out the money, and go pay the taxes for me and for you. 
Well, you know, Peter's thinking, right. (laughs) But okay, I'll go do it. So he casts his line in the water, and he's waiting. And then, boom, fish hits. He's like, wow. So he reels it in and takes it off the hook and, you know, opens his mouth. Shazam! (laughs) There's money in this here fish. Now, I don't know this to be a fact, but I'm guessing from that day forward, every time Peter was fishing, (laughs) he's Check the mouth. (laughs) Now here's what I'm getting at. Let's say you're behind in paying your taxes. Hopefully it's not because you did something foolish with your money. Because taxes are something you owe to the government regardless of whether or not you think it's fair. So let's say that you've been a wise steward with your finances, but some way, somehow, at the end of the year, you know, you prepare your tax return, it's like, what? I owe this. And you're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Oh, God, what are we going to do? You already have a precedent that God will help you. That story right there. Right there. And we could go on with other examples. The point I'm making is this. All throughout Scripture, we do have examples of what to do. Of how to respond. In other words, God's will. Well, I just don't know what I'm supposed to do in life. I just don't know. Okay, what about the Apostle Paul? Remember? You know, he wanted to go to Bithynia. He wanted to go to Asia. But the Holy Spirit said, no, don't go there. No, don't go over there. But I'm going to preach the gospel. People will get saved. Yeah, but no, not right now. Just no, just wait. So he waited. He waited. And in that situation, he had this dream slash vision that he's supposed to go into Macedonia. So these times when we say, we don't know what to do. I don't know what choice to make. Look, you've got examples in Scripture of God's will. Meaning God Letting people know what they're supposed to do. Now, if we don't take the time to get into the Word, to see, really from Genesis to Revelation, the pattern of God revealing His will for humanity, we really don't know what to pray. The church wherein I was raised, when it came to healing, we'd pray, Oh, Father... You know, we just lift up Sister Susie to you right now. And if it be thy will, heal her of that sickness. Well, we didn't know God's will. Because God's will, according to to Scripture, is healed. (laughs) That's just the word. Sometimes we can sit... See, if you don't watch it, if you're not cautious... You can begin leaning in the direction of, of grabbing a hold... Of a, of a belief, well, maybe this is just a trial they have to endure. Okay, my question is this. In the life of Jesus, how many people did He leave sick who went to Him for healing? How many people did He say, well, I'd really like to help you out here, but this is a trial that you have to endure? No, nobody. Absolutely Nobody. Now granted, um, you know, people out there can do things that hinder the will of God being done in their lives 
even if you're praying according to the will of God. I'll give you an example of the healing. Many years ago, a long time ago, when I was working at Kettering Hospital, I worked in the radiology department. I went upstairs to get a patient. And now this, back in the 70s, you know, you could still smoke in hospitals. At least the patients could, you know, in their rooms. So I walk in this room, and you know, you, could, you can smell it when people smoke, all right? So I could smell it as I'm walking into the room. I know this guy is smoking. <laughs> Guys, I kid you not, I look at him, and he's there in the bed. He's wide awake. He's there in the bed. He had a tracheotomy, okay, the little hole right here in the neck with the little plastic thing in it, and he is smoking through the tracheotomy. <sighs> now, I saw a lot of gross things in the hospital, and it wasn't that that was gross. It was dumb. It's like, dude, do you not know why you're here? Do you not know why they cut a hole in your throat? Do you not understand this? And there he is sucking that, that cigarette through that trach. Yeah, plain old weird. Okay, now see, you can have every Christian on earth who believes in healing praying the will of God for that man's healing. But I've got news for you. If that guy doesn't stop smoking, guess what? He's pro- Even if he does get healed, if he doesn't stop He's probably going to be back in there. And it's the same thing, you know, people, they get, there are people been healed of things and then they ended up with the stuff again because they didn't stop doing what they should have stopped doing. Okay, so you, yeah, in those kind of situations, you can be praying the will of God, but if that person is not doing what they need to do, in other words, stop smoking, in that one illustration I gave, you know, I'm sorry. It's just not, it's just not going to work. Because that person makes themselves a stumbling block to receiving that answer that would be delivered. But, again, let's go back to this. If we're asking according to God's will, why wouldn't he answer? Especially since he says he would. If we're asking according to God's will, why wouldn't he answer? Well, we've got to get past this, the religious mindset that we will be bombarded with from all other different believers here and there, whatever, how that, you know, well, you just never know what God's going to do. Sometimes we don't understand the plan of God. Yeah, but you know what? When I get in here, I can see the will of God demonstrated in all different kinds of situations. So, yeah, I can know the will of God. I can know. His will. Well, should I choose this or should I choose that? I just don't know what to do. You know, which job should I accept? Well, God will tell you. Forget about the money. Forget about everything else. Where does God want you when it comes to employment? Yeah, but if I take this job, it's going to mean a pay cut. I just said, forget about the money. The question is, where does God want you? If you really know, listen, if you really want to know, what God wants you to do, you've got to stop thinking about money. I mean, you've got to completely put it out of your mindset and ask Him, what do you want me to do? Because I'm, I'm telling you, there can be times when He will give you an instruction and you think, that's financial disaster. I don't have the money, or I can't, or whatever. 
But, you know, take a look at the life of the Apostle Paul. He wrote to the Philippians and he said, you know, for a period of time, you guys were the only ones supporting me. No other church was helping me but you. Now, I'm not saying churches will help you. What I'm saying is there is a pattern in Scripture that God will help. So you've got to get the money thing completely out of your mind. It isn't that God wants you to go bankrupt or not pay your bills, but you need to know the will of God. And as long as you're focusing more on the money than exactly what God wants, it's going to be hard for you to fully grasp the will of God. But along with that, if we're not getting answers, then we don't believe as much as we think we believe. I know I've ministered to folks before. I, you know, ministered to people about healing and what all, and people saying things, but I do believe, but I do believe. I just don't know why God won't help, heal me. And I'm thinking, then you don't believe. Because if you do believe, you'll never, ever say anything like that. Because you'll know that God's will is for you to be healed. You'll know that. And you will never even think, oh, I just don't know why God won't heal me. I know, you know, years ago, I was probably in that boat with everybody else that was in that boat about, the, I don't know why God won't. I, well, over the years, though, it's transitioned to where now the question is, what's going on in me where I may be missing God? What's going on in me? You know, my, my level of belief must not be where I think it is. So I need to address that. Because I'm not going to blame God. He's faithful and He can't lie. So if we're not getting answered prayers, then, you know, we probably don't believe as much as we think we believe. Standing in agreement with God's Word that it is truth is not the same thing as belief. Standing in agreement with God's Word that you know it's true is not belief. Belief produces answered prayer. So therefore, you can say you believe, and you do, to a point. I'm not disputing that. But it's kind of like that one man that was talking to Jesus about you know, his son that had that devil. And Jesus uh, you know, was ministering, and the, and the guy said, um, you know, I do believe. Help me with my unbelief. Jesus said all things are possible to him that believes. I do believe. Help me with my unbelief. Many times that's kind of like what we ought to be saying. God, I do believe, but you know, help me with my unbelief. And then he's got the answer for that. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You see what I'm saying? The answers are there. Now, if we're truly believing and asking according to his will, why wouldn't he answer? Why not? Well, I mean, he said he would. Jesus even confirmed it here. But what about that third area, that third point, that third essential element? And that has to do with forgiveness. If we're not getting prayers answered, we need to really examine our lives to see if we're holding unforgiveness toward anyone. You say, well... I don't think I have any unforgiveness toward anybody. Okay. 
What were the last words that crossed your lips concerning our current president? And for some of you, let's put it like this. When you were a little child, talking that way would have gotten you a backhand from daddy. Or a belt. Or both. (laughs) You understand what I'm getting at? What were the last words out of your mouth about our current vice president? What were the last words out of your mouth about our current Speaker of the House? And we could go on with this. If you're walking in forgiveness, you are not going to trash them no matter what they do. You may stand in absolute disagreement with what they say, what they do, what they proclaim, and so on and so forth. But you're not going to trash them. And there are a lot of Christians, the way I hear them talk, I can't stand so-and-so. Ooh, I tell you what, I just, ooh, I just can't pray for them. I can. I can pray for them. I have no problem praying for them. None. Because I know they don't know what they're doing. It's just like Jesus when He was on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. These people don't know what they're doing. If they truly understood what they were doing, they wouldn't do it. It's pretty simple. I have no problem praying for them. I have no problem saying I love them. Well, I'll tell you what, if I ever got an invitation to the White House, I'd say no so fast it'd make their heads spin. I wouldn't. I'd be buying my ticket. I'd go. You better believe I would go. If I had an opportunity to sit in a room with our president and express to him the love of God and carry with me whatever anointing I do have into that meeting and share with him the word of God and if he would let me pray for him and and by the time the meeting was over he would know there is at least one person out there who professes Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior who doesn't hate my guts. You better believe I would accept that invitation. Oh, I know, there'd be Christians out there, you hypocrite, have no fellowship with the... Hold on. If you are a purveyor of darkness as a believer, yeah, I'm not going to have fellowship with you. You need to get into the Word and find out what God said about these things. I guarantee you I would sit down with the Vice President. I guarantee you I would sit down with the Speaker of the House. In fact... If they gave me a phone call, if the vice president, our current vice president gave me a phone call and says, you know what, I'm going to be going down to check out this border situation. Would you like to go with me? <laughs> I'd get my suitcase out. I'd be packing so fast. I said, yes, ma'am. Where do you want to go? When are we leaving? I'd go. Because I know I can be an influence for Christ. I know that. And who knows, I might be down there. My presence somehow God might be able to move through me and change things down there in a way that He hasn't been able to. Do you understand what I'm saying? This forgiveness is so critical. And too many Christians just don't want to do it. Now, let's think about this. If we're truly believing and asking according to His will and not holding on to unforgiveness... Why wouldn't he answer? He will. (laughs) Because we have this confidence. 
we have this confidence to know. See, what happens in the lives of believers? We all sooner or later are going to face some kind of adversity. And adversity will always, without fail, draw out what a person is dealing with along with where they are weak in their spiritual walk. It's always going to happen. And, you know, I've been around Christians that, you know, adversity, and they're trying to convince me that, oh yeah, everything's fine, everything's... You ever been around Christians and when they're talking, you hear the words, but it's like the words have no content? It's like a hollow log? There's really nothing in them? They're just, they're coming out of their mouth, but there's nothing in the words? Adversity is going to draw it out. And when that adversity hits... See, here's what's interesting. You can have somebody, a Christian, who goes to the doctor... And the doctor says, well, um, the tests have come back, and I'm really sorry, uh, but you have, you know, blama sama waba kind of cancer, and uh, based on what the results say, you may have six months, but that's about it. And that person's like, glory to God. Praise the Lord. I'm, I'm believing. Thank you, doctor. I appreciate this. Um, I'll be attacking this with prayer. You follow what I'm saying? And they leave that doctor's office, and the doctor's like, Wow. Man, those, those are real people of faith. But then they go out to the car to go home and... It won't start. The battery's dead. I'm the stupid car. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> okay, guess what? The cancer didn't mess you up, but the dead battery. Oh, now we know. Yeah. And for the next person, the dead battery's no big deal. But the cancer, you know, it just drives them bonkers. They can't even think straight. So, see, adversity is going to be different as far as the, the response. It's going to be different for everybody. But adversity will draw out where a person is uh, walking with the Lord, what they're dealing with on the inside. It always happens. Always. It's just sooner, it just has to be the right kind of adversity. And when that happens... You can start identifying, like for you, when that happens, you, if you're really paying attention, then you can start identifying the weak areas of your spiritual walk that need attention. Attention from you. I remember one time, I don't know if I should tell this or not. This was, I don't know, whenever it was. Let me put it like this. It wasn't last week, okay? I got mad about I don't remember what it was. Just something. Boy, oh boy, did I ever get upset. And I mean, mm, 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 mm. I'm glad you weren't there. Because I said some things that you wouldn't have wanted to hear. And then I, you know, feeling all guilty about it. Like, oh God, I'm sorry. I didn't, you know, say. But you know what he said to me? He said, those words didn't bother me nearly as much as the anger that produced them. It's like, oh, <laughs> wow. And, and I, because, you know, in those kind of situations, we'd be, you know, repenting. Oh, God, I'm sorry I said that word and, and that word and all those other words. Well, I'm so sorry. 
And God is saying, whoa, 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 hold on. It's, those words are just the fruit of what's in there. And you need to uproot that tree. That fruit won't come out anymore. See what I'm getting at? But adversity. Well, anyway. Think of this. According to what we see in Scripture, how many people did Jesus pray for versus how many people He ministered to? Can you think of anybody He prayed for? Well, He prayed for Lazarus. No, not really. You need to go back and read that. But how many people did he... He didn't. But he did minister, didn't he? However, he did pray. You know, when you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see Jesus prayed. You know, he spent all night in prayer, went alone for prayer, rising up early, went off to pray. Yeah, and, and... you know, you don't see every chapter talking about Jesus praying, but there's enough of it in there. It's like God is trying to tell us, look, He prayed. <laughs> he, he was a man of prayer. He prayed. Now, God wants to work through us the way that He worked through Jesus. Do you think that God favored humans more during Jesus' time on earth? Well, No. Absolutely not. See, generally in church, what we've been led to believe is that we pray and then God just moves in here and and He does everything else. I mean, really, that's kind of how it's come across to us. You know, you just pray and then rejoice and praise God for the answer and so forth. And that's true to a point. However... The problem with that is we're also supposed to act the life of Jesus. Yeah, he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. But he also acted. He didn't just pray, oh God, what do you want me to do tomorrow? God says, well, I want you to go out and minister to a few thousand people. And, uh, you know, a bunch of sick folk are going to be there. Oh God, I just pray that you heal them all. Oh God, you know, I'll I'll do what I can to give them a sandwich for a few loaves and fish. He didn't do that. Now, he was prepared for whatever. What prepared him? A time of fellowship with his father. That's what prepared him for this. Listen, I can tell you based on what I see in Scripture... If Jesus had never prayed, God could not have used him the way he used him. Oh, you're talking about the Son of God. Yeah, but I'm also talking about Jesus of Nazareth, whom God anointed with the Holy Ghost and power, who then went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. See this? If he hadn't prayed, look, you know, it's kind of weird how that we sometimes take Jesus and we say, Okay, he's the Son of God, Messiah, the Christ, died for our sins and all. Okay, he didn't have to do anything. All he had to do was walk from town to town, heal a bunch of people, cast out some devils, and make fun of the, the priest. All right? So, that's Jesus. No. He had to do what we do. He, he was a man of prayer. 
He was a man of worship. He, if we see instructions that we're supposed to do something, then guess what? He did it. Now, God wants to use us the same way that He used Jesus. Jesus definitely prayed, but He acted on what God told Him to do, and His actions produced the signs, wonders, and miracles. Now think about that. Yes, He prayed. But He came out of those times of prayer, and let's just, let me put it like this. He came out of those times of prayer with a fresh anointing. You know, that's a term we like to use. And He ministered to people. And people got healed and there were miracles. The maimed were made whole. Because He acted out of the fellowship He had already had with Father God. Well, see, all too often, and we're all guilty of this, we pray and we kind of just, you know, at that point, it's totally up to God. Well, I do understand there is, you know, a, um, there's an element of truth to that. Because you can't get around on planet Earth to every person you pray for. I understand that. But, Sooner or later, there has to be some kind of action. Um, and, and somebody would say, well, well, give me an example. What did Jesus do? All right, just what did he do? Follow his example in Scripture. Now, if I stand here and start giving a bunch of examples for today, I don't want to create some sort of a rule that when pastor said, you've got to do it this way, or nothing's going to happen. No. Now remember, Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I, that I, uh, other than what I've seen my Father do. Okay, that's the way it has to be for us. Father, what do you want me to do? Those are the actions that are supposed to be produced out of the prayer, then we act on what He shows us. And sometimes, I remember one time, something came up, it wasn't good, and in the natural... There was really no way for me to fix the situation. And I'm praying about it. And God said, worship me for the answer. Worship me for the answer. I said, okay. So I, did, I, I just, like, I think like every day, I don't know how long, but it wasn't for hours and hours and hours every day, but and I would worship Him and praise Him. You know, I thank You that this is resolved. I thank You that it's fixed. I thank You that such and such. You know, I praised Him for it. Exactly seven Days later, the whole thing changed. So my action was the worship. You follow me? Now I could have just prayed and said, Oh God, deal with this, and boom, walked away. But I received from Him an instruction on what to do. The action that I was supposed to take. And so I performed that action, and guess what? There it was. The answer. The solution. The situation was resolved. Now, for us... Our prayer, our fasting, our worship, and the Word. All, all those things that we do. They are getting us spiritually ready for a spiritual outpouring of God by the Holy Spirit individually and congregationally. Then... We see revival as a fruit of that outpouring. You follow that pattern there. 
we'll also see more prayers answered, obviously. You see, the whole aspect of the prayer fasting, the worship and the Word, it's to bring about the change in us that needs to happen so that God then, you know, we have all these religious phrases that we use, but, you know, so that God can pour more of Himself into us. So that we can be, you know, the wineskins that can handle the greater outpouring of anointing and glory, however you want to phrase it. And it's out of that that God then is able to move and we see what we're, what we're hoping for, praying for, believing for, and seeing, and that is revival. But we get prayers answered. And see, this is how it worked in the life of Jesus. He knew the Word. He absolutely knew the Word. All those times when He said things like, Is it not written? Has it not been said? What did the prophet say? You know, things like that. He knew the Word. And he, understand, he understood how it related to Him. We cannot continue being comfortable with unanswered prayer. Now think about it. Revival hits. 30 new people come in here. 30 people that are from churches that, you know, the extent of prayer that they understood was you pray before you eat. Say grace, as you know people refer to it. They really don't know too much about prayer. They don't know about prayers being answered. You know what they need to see? They need to see prayers being answered when we pray. That, because that's what the, the, uh, the disciples of Jesus saw. That's why they went to Him and they said, teach us how to pray. <laughs> you know, there's some things happening here in your life that we've never seen happen before. And you seem to be pretty well adept at this whole thing of prayer. Teach us how to pray. Because if you get results from being up the mountain with God all the time you're up there with Him, then maybe if we know how to pray, we can get some of the same results. Guys, we can no longer continually be satisfied or tolerate unanswered prayer. If we ask according to God's will, if we believe, and if we unload the unforgiveness, God has promised in His Word, we will get answers. The more we press into God through prayer, fasting, worship in the Word, is the more that the knowing of His will, the believing, and walking in forgiveness will take place. He's working in us, guys. And I praise God for it. We, we are a special outpost in the kingdom of God. And He is preparing us for great and mighty things. Hallelujah. 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 Everybody please stand.